if you were grieving a family member, how would you feel writing a fictitious play about grieving a family member? Uh, how would I feel about it? Um, was I already, I'm like, this is in the aftermath of grieving a family member. I'm writing, like, how would it be to write a play about? Yeah, like, instead of it, mm -hmm. uh, Instead of the DNA being a friend's death, if the yeah. DNA was a family member's death, would you feel like you needed permission or would you feel like, oh, this is like totally fine. Like, it's my grief. I own it. I can do art about it. Yeah, I think somewhere uh, to to again, I think what was on the first podcast, which, by the way, mm -hmm. was is the only one out as of this time. So, yeah, if there were more out, dear listener. If there were more out, I might be referencing more. But that don't think I only listened the first and then scoot it off. Um, but yeah, similar to the first part. I feel like yeah, if you're closer to it, it feels easier to talk about because it's like oh yeah, my mm -hmm. parent, you know, my yeah. sibling, like that. It feels like you would that permission would be more you know given. Um, so I think like in like hypothetically, yeah. But for some reason, when you said that to me, I'm like, I wouldn't want to write a play. Mm. Um, that wouldn't feel like the right, I'm imagining, but that wouldn't feel like the right yeah. like avenue for it. Um, mm -hmm. Like, you know, more potentially like text writing might feel good. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it would be like in the situation. Um, right. Yeah, it's impossible to, to, to truly know. But. Yeah, I do. I do have another play idea that is centering from like from the perspective of the family that has uh, lost someone. Um, mm. And that is but that one, I feel like I almost don't want to some I have a few play ideas. I'm like, that'll be like so tough and tragic that I don't mm -hmm. know if I want to like invest uh, myself into doing it just because it'll be hard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when you said my own family, I don't know why I feel like, oh, not a play. But certainly I would feel like I had more of the permission to, to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we talked, you know, the struggle of like, you know, it's not a friend. Like what, do, you know, if it's a friend is like, oh, yeah, you don't, you know, the farther you are from someone, it feels hard to use it uh, to the extent. But like when someone's a stranger, then it feels like totally fine, almost. Like mm. if it's like a news article or something. Mm -hmm. So, like, how the play started becoming a play um, was I had written, I had read in the article um, about this uh, person who died in a, um, in a, in a, like, sort of convention in the, in this, in the city I was in. And I was like, oh, man, like, that's rough and i like got like uh, and it was like an accidental death and i was like oh like i got like really it really hooked into me and i was like tried to like i read like all the article different articles trying to like pierce together this stranger mm -hmm. um and then so i ended up writing about that i ended up writing a monologue where a character uses that as a way to be like we, i need to say things now like while i still can and mm. it ends up being a confession of love. Um, mm -hmm. And also it's referenced that they know in that monologue that I wrote that they knew somebody else that died um, that they were closer to. But they're talking about this stranger. Uh, so I had that like monologue yeah. written and I'm like, oh, this could be a play, but I have no idea what else is happening. 
And then a couple years later, um, again, there was like a stranger death in the, in the news that I hit me in this one. And it, it's ridiculous. So, so in the Super Bowl of 2020, they killed Mr. Peanut off. Oh yeah. That was in the play. That's yeah. in the play. Yeah. Right. So, but I was also similarly like, Oh my God, like that's messed up. And I like literally like it, like I hated how it was like playing at grief. I'm like for like in a commercial, it just felt so like yeah. bastardized, like just, ugh. and I like was like literally watching a bunch of different Mr. Peanut commercials being like <laughs> in the past and like being like kind of like, actually affected by it in a weird way and so then i wrote i wrote a scene with two characters mm-hmm. or one of the characters similarly affected by his mr peanut passing and ends up using it as a confession of their depression uh, you know how bad they've been um yeah while they reference in that knowing actually knowing someone that died and then i here i had two pieces two scenes they're both people who were talking about dealing with strangers dying when they actually had someone they knew uh... that died and then I was like, okay, what? And then I like zoomed out to be like, what is happening here? Mm-hmm. Um, and like sort of discover the different characters and like themes. Um, so I feel like there's a thing of like, you know, you don't feel bad. Like if it's just a random person, you know, like my friend wrote, uh, she, she had an email mailing list and she wrote about like stumbling upon um, someone who is dead, like in on um, in, in public, they had just been passed. Um, oh my god! Yeah, which That's is really horrible. It is terrible. Um, but like, I feel like she had no, she didn't need any permission to like write about that because it's just like right. you know so far away. And Whoa. then when it's someone who's so close, you also similarly feel like you don't need any permission to talk about but when you get in that middle layer and maybe it's because you know that there are people you are connected to people who are more connected to the person who passed and you worry yeah. about their perspective like that's what i was worried about i was like potentially mm-hmm. the, the family and stuff so i wonder if that's part um is is that part of your uh, of the of like wondering how your friends like closer potentially like family uh might think of your your book yeah so first of all um if i was able to contact her parents i would absolutely ask their permission but the mother passed away Mm -hmm. and i cannot get in touch with the father like i tried um And then it's thinking, well, who has permission after the parents? Because she didn't have any siblings. And then it's like aunts and uncles. Like, then it just gets so gray area, you know? And it's like, I really like, here I am like trying to like, I don't know, make myself look better or feel better. But I did, I have been like trying to do what I think is right. Like I reached out to other people who are really close to her and i was like i'm writing a book like don't worry it's nowhere near being like anywhere close to being published but like how do you feel about that and do you want to read my current draft and they had pretty positive responses which made Mm -hmm. me feel better um but like other than those few people like i don't know who's permission to ask yeah i mean i think you're doing the things hannah that you need to like that you can do right 
I guess there's no rule book. There's no rule book, right? Like, I think at the end of the day, the permission is, like, probably from yourself, you know? I don't know. It's like, and you yeah. said something earlier. Um, you, you mentioned, like, being worried. You're, like, you're thinking about throwing the whole thing out because you can't possibly honor your friend um, mm-hmm. 100%. And I um, I don't know if this, this, this is comforting or 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 anti-comforting but i i don't think anyone could like i think that's the whole thing people are more than than words and ideas and you would have to write a book that was in order that covered every second of their life you know like the full complexity like they had an entire life right like you can't do it so hopefully you're not letting that bar limit you um, from going forward because that that is truly an impossible bar. Yeah. Um, No, it's true. And maybe it'll be a really meta book where I'm like reflecting on all this, like in the book, you know, because I feel like I have to presence it somehow. Like, wow, I'm making her. And because, for example, okay, I was reading this book there's very few books that I can find where people talk about a friend who died, but I have found a handful and -hmm. I've read them and I'm looking for more. But in one, like she even kind of like steps back and like breaks the fourth wall for a second. And she's like, gosh, like I'm so frustrated. I'm making her sound perfect. And she's like, trust me. Like she didn't say like dear reader, but it was like, dear reader, trust me. She was not perfect. Like she did. And then she listed like, you know, less appealing attributes. And I, Uh and I, I just like loved that because it, it did make her seem more like a real person because everyone has, you know, is annoying sometimes or like he says the wrong thing or like whatever. Like, um, and, and she broke the fourth wall and I was like, maybe I just got to break the fourth wall. You know, (laughs) I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of that. I think, because yeah. I really love authenticity. Um, yeah. And the authentically true thing is you are a person who's writing this book. And mm-hmm. so it's authentically true to put in your reflection on your, on writing the book, you know? Um, yeah. That's funny. That's funny you did, that she talked about the, like, the insult stuff. I ended up selling on some of that, like in that eulogy later, the person mm-hmm. says some less than flattering, not like super like negative, but just like, you know, and even annoyances this had with this person. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. Like that he smelled bad was when he was like, the room bad, would smell worse like, if he was here. He ruined, yeah, yeah, yeah. He ruined his birthday party, surprise birthday party. You know? <laughs> it, which is like, you know, it said, I think it said light and it's comical and it's funny reflection, but it's also like, come on, man. Mm-hmm. Like what? What are you doing there, Evan? You know, that's the, the <laughs> name of the, the past character. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I like that. I like, I don't know. I think like putting yourself there. I just thought about um, the only book that I know of that has a friend that that's uh, died in it is Perks of Being a Wallflower. Oh, gosh. I, I have to read that book. I loved the movie, but yeah. Oh, I love the movie. I, I, yeah. I uh, when I watched uh the movie on a plane when i was going to study abroad and then i was like oh Mm -hmm. i then i immediately try to find the book when i got got there because i'm like i need to read the book now um yeah the book is really good too okay i'll I'll definitely put that on my list yeah um 
it's you know the the friend is not a huge subject of it it's sort of like sort of the backdrop in an interesting way um but yeah that's mm. definitely a book that has a friend uh that died in, in, in the like context of it and i think they talk about it in the movie too a little bit um mm-hmm. but yeah that that's one very good book i just remembered another one i can't believe i forgot this um in in this um in the pockets of tiny gods in the small um in the pockets of tiny gods it's it's a it's a oh, book of poetry I, I'm I'm getting the title wrong. Um, it's a book of poetry by Anis Mojani, um, mm-hmm. and it is killer. It is so oh. devastating. It centers around two events: um, his uh, friend who um, died by suicide, oh um, like a, maybe a couple decades prior to the second event, which is about um, his divorce. Um, oh. and it's, the book is about those two events. Um, but it's a really incredible, and I call it a, like a book of poetry or, or maybe like a poetry book. Like mm-hmm. it's cause it's revisiting the same things over and over again within the poems. Um, oh. and you get to, you get to learn more and more, um, about, um, him, about the person who passed and about the divorce like the the marriage and the divorce through the poems and like like they'll they'll bring up an image like the house with all the windows boarded up and you're like oh that's like a metaphor and then later it's like oh no that's that was a literal thing that was a literal landmark that occurred during the life and there's all these sort of like almost things you know riddle like that reveal themselves as you learn more and more um and it is really good um even if you don't like poetry, I think it's a, a worth, a worth tax. Yeah, that that yeah, that one is um, that one's really good. And I th- I think the thing that um, he uh, yeah, there's a bunch of really good poems. One of them is talking about like you know, the thought of like still, which I think is like a really human thought of like, mm-hmm. um, you still thinking maybe he's going to turn up one day, um, oh, because all all that was. Uh, it's, this is very uh, maybe graphic or terrible, but basically the they his foot, and then I think the other shoe maybe surfaced is like that's what was found. Oh my gosh! Um, and I think even the point he's like imagining him without his feet or something, but like showing up Aww. like at the door. Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough read, but really good. It's interesting because clearly people are making art about tragedy and, and it's, mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it's been done. People do it. Yeah. And, and yet there are still so many hangups potentially for good reason. I mean, like if we didn't have any hangups, we might do incredibly insensitive things. Right. So maybe it's just like keeping ourselves <laughs> <Yeah>. in check. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. I think with everything, there's a balance between mm-hmm. having to really think about other people and having to like not worry about other people. Mm-hmm. And there's like a balance, right? Because I I think they're both true. It's like you should consider other people and care for them, mm-hmm. but you also need to know. I visit with my friend uh, Justin talks about is like at the end of the day, you just can be considerate. And if you break someone's heart, 
but you were being considerate like that's potentially on them at that point like you know like Mm. you you're not responsible for everyone's feelings you could do everything right and someone could hate you you know like that's so true this could be the mostly perfect uh tribute uh, to your friend and that's done most sense sensitive wise sensitivity perfect everything is great uh and someone just because of their relationship with grief and with this person might hate you for doing this but like you you did everything right right in this Mm -hmm. hypothetical you can't necessarily you know you're not can't be responsible for everyone's feelings you can only be responsible for like being considerate actions and you know Mm -hmm. who's to say maybe this person would be just as unhappy otherwise you know um yeah but yeah. yeah, it's like a, you know, it's a, it's certainly balanced. You got to keep both things in mind. Like, you know, if you go over to one head, want too far on one side where like ever, you know, where you're like, Hey, I trust people are going to react to they react. And then, so I'm just going to punch you in the face. Cause it's like, Hey, if you're, <laughs> if you're mad, that's on you, you know, like, uh-huh. I don't know if you've gone done meditation at all or gone to meditation communities, but meditation mm-hmm. is a lot about like really like understanding like we're all one we're all the same there's some huge assholes in in, in meditation communities always uh mm-hmm. because they like go too far on this side they're like yeah whatever man you like you know like oh, it doesn't yeah. matter what i do uh and therefore then they will do like <laughs> bad things uh-huh uh yeah yeah you're right it totally is a balance and i think another thing that freaked me out is that um, of a couple books that I read and really loved and like mm-hmm. got some healing from where someone wrote about their friend like as a memoir they received some hate online um, and this one person wrote about a friend and then the woman the friend's sister mm-hmm. wrote like a really angry um, essay about how the author had stolen her grief from her. And I was like, that is literally my worst fear. Like, and I don't know. I was just like, Oh God, like, this is exactly what I don't want to happen. That would be the worst thing. Right. But like, like look at that. How can you steal someone's grief? Like that, that obviously that person is really uncomfortable, but like, I don't know. You, you've, you've read the, the essay. So, so maybe there's a merit there, but it's also like, I don't think you can, I don't know, like. Yeah, I don't know. That person had a negative reaction and maybe there was something insensitive in the, in the book or maybe there wasn't. And maybe that's just how that person was going to react no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. Like. It's so hard to know. Yeah. It's like you could bump into someone and cause them to spill some coffee on themselves and then. Like that happened to me, I'd be like, oh, "Come on, man!" Like you know, I'd be a little annoyed, but I'd be like, "Whatever, right?" You know. Come um, on, man. Yeah, exactly. I'd be like, I, I probably actually honestly wouldn't say anything if I'm like being real. If I'm like holding something, some bumps into me, I get coffee on me. I'm like, and and then they'll probably say sorry, um, and I'm like, it's all right, you know. Or if they don't say anything, I probably like, where's my apology? But I'm not. <laughs> going to confront them and i'm going to be like ah, you know um 
but like okay so like what i'm saying is, or if i bumped into someone and they spilled a coffee right like they are going to have that reaction which is probably just like mild annoyance and mm-hmm. i'm going to forget about it like forget that i spilled coffee on someone in, in the week or something but let's say you know we've all <laughs> been in, in the situation where we're at the end of our rope um Mm. right where we're just nothing is going right and, and we spilled coffee we got coffee spilled on us and we were just break down you know yeah and it would be if someone broke down after i spilled coffee on them i would wouldn't forget that and i would feel really bad about it for a while mm-hmm. but like all i did, it was like accident and all i did was spill coffee Mm-hmm. In either case, which is just a way of, you know, saying that, like, people are going to react how people react to things. Mm-hmm. That doesn't excuse you from not being considerate, right? I'm not saying, don't be spilling coffee on people, <laughs> you know? But, like, if you are trying to walk and trying to be careful and not bump into people, you know, and sometimes you will bump into people, I think that's what you can do, right? Like, mm. even if you someone says you stole my grief from me, which is a terrible thing to say, you know, it, it might not be you're on, on you. It could be, right? Like, again, I didn't read the original book. Right. It's possible this book was really insensitive in a way. And, mm-hmm. and this metaphor, possible you were carrying more, co- like, more coffee than you could possibly, than you knew you were trying to carry three cups, right? Yeah, uh, or something yeah. you're doing something dangerous. Um, yeah, but just because the person reacts in a really bad way doesn't necessarily mean you're at fault for all the negativity. And I think the fact that you are are wrestling with this for so long is probably evidence to the fact that you are only carrying a single cup of coffee and trying to walk slowly. Oh. I love that metaphor. That's a really cool yeah. way to think about it. It's like just make sure all I like all I can do at the end of the day is make sure I'm holding one cup of coffee and make sure I'm looking out for the other people as I walk. not everything needs to also go out there right mm-hmm. there is yeah. something to be said for like hey i did this thing for me yeah and maybe totally. people don't uh people don't need it or something you know i think what do you say is true you know there is potential value like you've talked about how wanting when your friend passed wanting more media to consume mm-hmm. uh, and this podcast could potentially be a resource for someone mm-hmm. um if you end up publishing your book, that can end up being a a resource for someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also like the matter you said are the, the the scraps of like gathering scraps, gathering scraps. Yeah. And is it selfish to gather scraps or is it survival? Yeah. I certainly don't think it's selfish, you know? Yeah. But I do think it's normal to worry if it's selfish. Like, yeah. Not not meaning like everyone worries about that, but I think the fact that it 
it's like pretty common to like yeah be concerned about it yeah and also everyone has like a different tolerance for like when how much it's okay to use from other people mm, you know like mm-hmm. i'm kind of of a thing of like and not everything but i feel like if a lot of experiences happen to me i have no problem talking about them and mm-hmm. and, and using them like this i was i was in it like you know yeah if someone bullied me uh if someone broke my heart if i broke someone else's heart i feel like uh a freedom to like talk about it mm-hmm. but like people have different their own tolerances um yeah like my girlfriend who i will link no information about because she's on the <laughs> the other side of the spectrum and this is okay to keep in because i'm not going to say but just to right. say she's on the other side of the spectrum that she's like i she doesn't think it's ever okay like she doesn't want to be used in anything you know mm-hmm. she'd be upset if like um if she was the strain you know if you wrote about spilling coffee on a stranger that broke down if that was her or something she'd be like ah you know you shouldn't be using she doesn't she's on the total other side of the spectrum she specifically told me that if she dies she doesn't want me to write a play about her dying (laughs) which is i find very a very funny uh thing um (laughs) but can you you write something else did she specify did she just uh, say she play? didn't she didn't, i th- i mean you know intention right like oh right, you know right. <laughs> i don't think she needed to say every part of media i think i think the the thing hand the stance but yeah the, i'm just saying people have different uh allowances of what they uh think is okay to like gather totally um, from life and not you know um and i think there's some people who are like well then just you know just do fiction but i think the thing is i, I don't know i think in, in fiction there is like true things that you're basing it off of in it so i actually don't because life yeah. is your source material right like, yeah so I, yeah. I don't even think that actually gets away with it entirely um mm-hmm. yeah like in this play which is a fictional play uh mm-hmm. like most of the things that the people said are things that i have thought at some point yeah um, yeah or or in most of the things that happen in the play are things that have happened to me um mm-hmm. at some point um mm-hmm. to, to one like to some degree yeah it's like whenever i try to write fiction it's literally an essay about something that happened except they have like brown hair instead of blonde hair and their name is like <laughs> jessica and i'm like i can't write fiction like i cannot not pull from my life like i i don't know how people do that like i like, people, like, build entire wizarding worlds that have magic that has nothing to do with life. And I'm like, what? Like, how do you make something up from scratch in your brain? Yeah. <laughs> like... I don't know. Yeah. I think actually something that I sometimes do is, um, you know, people have placeholder names uh-huh. and things. Sometimes I'll have, like, placeholder specifics that I'm like, I need something here. And I yeah. don't know exactly what it is. And I'll just use what's real life. And then uh-huh. I like literally have to later bad lib style change them um, mm-hmm. or not change them. Just keep them the same. I think for this play, I wanted to change it because I wanted to make it an independent thing that stood on its own. and wasn't a uh, mm. reference to like other people. But yeah, but yeah. also the names of the characters are some people, some of them, not all of them, are like people in my life. Because when I wrote the first scene, I'm like, oh, I need a, a name. Oh, I'll just use this name. Yeah, uh, and then yeah. it just like stuck. <laughs> You're like, well, that's what their name is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, and it's like it's uh, my writing coach uh, a couple years ago said, use the real names in the first draft, like change them after. Because if you change their name as you're writing, they just have a different energy. And if you want it to be true, like use their real name. Because I, I mm-hmm. in a memoir, I would still change almost everyone's name. And I would yeah. ask people's permissions if I use their name. Um mm-hmm. But I have such a fear that I'll have like a Dwig situation, like in The Office, when he like control finds all and changes, but Dwight was spelled wrong. One Dwight was spelled wrong, so it stayed as Dwigged. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what if something slips through? <laughs> I yeah, so yeah, I had that that worry too with my like really not wanting to have any remnants of the name uh, <laughs> of, of previous names that I changed. Um, I managed to get them all. And have readers, you know, people will see. Yeah. People will see because a new name will stand out. Yeah. They'll be yeah. like, wait, who's Zach? I've never heard of Zach before. What's Zach? You're like, oh, crap, wait, delete. You're like, uh, Zach's no one. I meant Toby. Uh, keyboard got messed up, you know. Oh, my gosh. know building on this idea of like seeing people's two dimensionals like people become markers of things like oh this was the you know my first love you know or like you mm-hmm. know the per- you know or the person who bullied me or whatever the person i was first scared of you know like and mm-hmm. it's like they're a marker they're just labeled as like that and then people they're abstracted in that way and like in your memory uh they're like that um and i think that's really tragic um about you know knowing my friend that died is he's like the mark like that's uh you know my marker for uh young loss um yeah which yeah again is brutal like you hate um that like happening because it means they're not like a per you know they're an idea not a person Mm -hmm. right in, in in the eulogy in the eulogy portion that you're reading before there's another part uh where the character talks about like i hate that like i use this as experience that like if somebody mm-hmm. says oh i know someone that dies young i'm like oh yeah i i know what that's like is my reaction mm. uh the character goes almost like self anger like how no i don't know it's like it's always different like everyone is mm-hmm. everyone that goes is just different um I think the thing is with with grief and power with everything it's you're jumping between contradictory paradoxical perspectives on it all the time. I know what you mean about like being frustrated that someone's become a marker because I also don't want them to be distilled to that horrible thing. Yeah. Right? Like I would much rather remember her as the amazingly multidimensional, rich, complex human being that she was, rather than like being kind of stuck on like a horrible, horrible tragedy. Yeah. It's. Yeah, it's really hard. I think about what your like last image of someone is. Um, I remember asking like my my father so my 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 grandfather passes probably the you know person I was closest to 
that that past i've had um two other grandparents i wasn't as close to die prior to him um Mm -hmm. and i remember asking my father like because that's his dad like how like what do you like when you picture him like what do you picture because like you've known this person for so long and my dad was like he said and this i think was i don't know if this is still true uh but at the time he said like unfortunately i i think about those last a few moments um Mm -hmm. you know which is tough because that's not like no one is at their best when they're right you know on their death but you know it's a terrible thing to see your parent like that Mm -hmm. though i don't know i mean i think the thing that i think about my last experience was with with my grandfather's like is my last image feels like really positive mm-hmm. um because i was there for his birthday and it wasn't the last time i saw him it was maybe the second or third or last time i saw him mm-hmm. but he, i remember he was just talking about how you know he was sick and how they my parents were pissed at him because he wasn't doing the stuff that his doctors wanted him to do you know mm-hmm. But, like, even through that argument, he was, like, whatever. He was, like, f- he felt grateful for the life that he had. And that that's sort of, like, I think the lasting thing that I remember from him. And the lasting image I remember from my friend is not, um, is, like, like, is, like, a, a while, or, like, almost a whole year uh, before he passed is, like, this time mm-hmm. that we hung out um at his house and and went around to the beach um that was like a really nice time Mm -hmm. i don't know if we can pick the moments that stand out as a lasting image though um yeah do you have like a clear idea of like the last like what's frozen your mind is like when you think about your friend what it is i have lots and lots of like snapshots um and moments that are that are frozen and Mm -hmm. one of the most significant was so we went to camp together and this is how we met um when i was 17 and she was 14 going on 15 um that's actually the bulk of the time i spent with her which is a whole other thing i'm like been grappling with that i only Mm -hmm. really was with her for six weeks um in person but Mm -hmm. At the end of the six weeks, when our goodbye was so intense, like, she snuck into my cabin, which was not allowed, before she left in the middle of the night. It was, like, thundering, like, rain was pouring down. She, like, wakes me up. I'm sleeping on the floor. She's, like, whispers, like, I'm about to leave. And then we just start, like, bawling, and we hug each other for, like, five minutes. And, I mean, it was, like as intense as if we would never see each other again um and that was not the last time i said goodbye to her but it was the most intense goodbye Mm -hmm. so in some ways it's almost like in my memory like that's our last goodbye i think there's something really special to have to have that as your sort of lasting image is a goodbye um Mm. Because it's a th- it's a thing that can never have closure, but I feel like having a goodbye pro- like prominent um, in your relationship with her that feels like that could help with more closure, 
right? Of like your lasting images of of you two uh being grateful for each other and for knowing each other and mm -hmm. maybe not knowing when you're going to see each other next or knowing and it's going to be a while thanks for listening friends missing friends is produced by me hannah rumsey with co-producer sydney bauer Original music is by Erica Siegling, featuring The Lost Wayne. Artwork is by Heidi James. If you have a moment, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Together, we can cherish and remember the friends we miss. I'll see you soon.